Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Ooh, Truth, Lies, Shenanigans, the live streaming podcast, where your favorite hosts bring us some of the most interesting headlines of the week to our panel to discuss. And at the end, we'll ask the question, is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? And of course, we always try to have some fun with shenanigans of our own along the way. My name is Neil Nix, and it's our last show of this season, and we've got a good show for you. With the Delta variant and the anti-maskers making COVID once again rampant in the U.S., we felt it was important to bring you another COVID Chronicle segment, where we've been speaking to survivors and frontline workers. Today, we have Lauren Novak, a COVID survivor who has been struggling with the effects of long-haul COVID, and she'll be telling you her story today. Then later in the show, our Gianni Storm wants to discuss the Biden moratorium on evictions being upheld. Rob B. brings you more of the COVID cesspool that is Florida and Texas. <laughs> and Lizzie wants to know what should be done about Chris Cuomo, CNN anchor and brother of disgraced New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. And as always, we'll start with a quickfire question and end with shenanigans of the game show. But before we get into the show, let me introduce you to our dynamic host for today's show, the professor, journalist, editor, sports intern mentor at ESPN, Miss Lizzie Enders. What's up, what's up, everyone? Happy Sunday, fun day. You are getting like the cranky, annoyed, pissed <laughs> off. I hate everybody, Liz E today. But I hope you are in a better mood than I am. I hope everyone is at home or out and about wearing your mask, of course, um, being safe and enjoying yourself on the last day of the weekend. All right. And our gamer, Thank head you. guru, bonafide rock star the, with the rock band Fallen Machine coming to you from sub Ontario and Canada, Mr. Rob <laughs> E. Rock. <laughs> What's up, what's up, everyone? Happy Sunday, fun day. Great to, to be here. It's been a, a labor-intensive weekend. Been uh, moving a lot of the wood that was felled on the property just from the upper level of the property down to the main level, and it's, uh, my body's sore. Yeah. I'm feeling tired. <laughs> the chainsaw got Aww. heavy when I decided to quit today. Uh, the problems with Canada. <laughs> Living in Canada. In the deep woods. <laughs> going to have an amazing wood pile. It's going to be wonderful for the well, winter. Hey, and just for fire for the winter. Sure. <laughs> Hell yeah. There you go. And of okay. course, our model, actress, college student, and co-host of TLS Unscripted, Miss Gianni Storm. Hey, everybody. Happy Sunday, fun day. Um, like Rob, I've been working hard this week, too, and preparing for the new school semester, <coughs> all of this fun stuff, and moving. So been a long week but i'm gonna get some rest in today i might go to the pool we'll see Ooh. i might do something exciting gianni when does school start for you when's the first day of school this week okay these 17 oh tomorrow yeah but I, my class is oh in two days but my class is don't start the school classes don't start till i got you. right yeah all right so gianni i got to guest host 
unscripted with you this past Wednesday. We had a fun time. Yeah. So <laughs> tell everyone what we talked about and uh, where they can watch the next episode. I got to be Steve Harvey. I remember <laughs> that. that. I had my little face on But we actually talked about consent and we talked about rape culture, the thin line um, between consent and rape. And we also talked about rape with men. Like, well, that sounds weird. Can men be know. raped? <laughs> rape with yeah, men. Can, <laughs> can men be raped? Um, so yeah, we had an interesting conversation. Neil and I kind of agree to a lot of things, but I feel like for that one, it was a little, we didn't agree to everything. It's interesting. Yeah. You guys should yeah. Know. yeah, it was a good, yeah, definitely watch that. It was some really good conversation, very enlightening. And I think that a lot of people need to watch it because you covered a very important topic because consent is, yeah. it, it, it's, a, it's an important thing. It's an important, and if it makes yeah, it you awkward to ask someone if it's okay, then you shouldn't be doing anything further with it. Even yeah, in the middle of means it. no. But that's the thing no we were talking no. about. We, we were trying to cover. We know that no means no, but we were trying to figure out like the complex, the, the gray lines, the, the you know, yeah. the, the gray areas of consent. Cues. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of times women don't say no, but they say no with their body language or they say no with their their actions. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we, 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 had, we discussed a few of those things. So it was really good conversation. Oh, so. no. If I'm nudging you, if I'm pushing you, if I'm kneeing you in the groin, <laughs> that means no. I mean, no. those. I'm just like, saying so, <laughs> some, no. of those, some of those can be misinterpreted. That's all. <laughs> so. Men just be something else, I feel like. They just be I mean, I mean, that. yeah, you, you, you're stamping the nuts. I might, I might get the picture. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that'll work. That that is definitely a good no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right, it's time to start the show with our quick fire question. All right. So just before the rap group Wu Tang concert with the Colorado Symphony Orchestra at the famed Red Rocks Amphitheater, group member, rapper, and actor. Method Man debuted his new brand of cannabis called T-Cal, the same name as his 1994 solo album. He named the three new strains Sweet Grease, Free Mac, and Orange Cookie Kush. <laughs> so my question, if you had your own line of weed, what would you call it, Robbie Rock? We will R-O-K-U. R-O-K-U. Okay, Rock. <laughs> Lizzie, what, what are you calling your weed? I mean, you know, since, Ma since Meth and I have a history, since we go way back to the <laughs> days of, you know, swapping lips at the, at the Soul Train Awards after party in 1996, I'm going <laughs> to call it, I'm going to call my weed Lizzie Wu. Lizzie Wu. <laughs> Lizzie Wu. All right. Gianni That's Storm. Cute. That is cute. Mine is Storm Kush. Storm Kush. All right. Storm Kush. So, mine's pretty straightforward. I'm a, I just say no. Because <laughs> y'all know I don't mess with none of that stuff. I'd rather be high. I I, I'd rather be on I high. I don't mess with it either. I don't smoke. Yeah, I Circumstances. But the question was I smoke. Would we I don't drink. I don't do and none if, of it. And, exactly. And if I was, you know, I have friends <laughs> in Colorado who are making a killing off of weed dispensaries. Mm -hmm. um, in the oh, beginning yeah. when they started this process, I would joke with them and be like, you're nothing but a drug dealer. But 
at this point, they're no different from a pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. They're no, no different yeah. from a pharmaceutical company. So, I mean, if I have the opportunity, I, and I'm I'm anti weed. I think it's gross. I think it stinks. Yeah, it does. It stink. makes oh, it fucks your voice God. up. Um, but <laughs> I, I realize. I, mean, that I think skunk smells better. Actually. <laughs> It offers comfort to a lot of people in certain situations. So if I have the opportunity to open up a dispensary to make some money, it would be Lizzie. I I still wouldn't open up. I'm not advocating. But I got to be honest, um, much like alcohol, cigarettes and vaping, I'm concerned about the messages to our youth. If you look at like the advertising, um, like he's using cartoon figures in, in this image here of him and he's naming it. And your orange cookie kush, um, definitely creative and very appealing to teens and preteens. So, are we going a little too far with the cannabis craze and delegalization? <laughs> I'll start with Robbie. No, no, no. These, these are just names, man. It's it's like really, I have no opinion on celebrities endorsing cannabis any more than I have an opinion on celebrities endorsing alcohol food, or clothing brands. Because at the end of the day, they're endorsing a product. And if it's a product that aligns with you, if you are okay with that ethically, then, you know, go for it. If the shirt, you know, I mean, this is Wu-Tang. They've been embracing <laughs> this kind. It looks like street art. So, and if, you know, these are just the names that you've looked at. If you go into a dispensary and start looking at the actual names that are out there, this kind of falls in line with right. everything else that's out there. You, you have to distinguish yourself from everybody else's brand, but right. there's so many names out there. They are crazy. But I think they're clever names, and it's cool that he's got TKL to fall on for himself because that's his. Ooh, so Gotta say it right. The cow. The cow. The cow. I feel like... To play devil's advocate is kind of like when people say um, gay, like homosexual or gay culture, and that's being pushed on people's children. I can understand that because it is marketing at the end of the day. So if you don't like it, like, for example, Neo, like my mom, she hated anything, marijuana, drugs, pills, alcohol, anything, any type of poison. So, um, yeah, she would hate that, too. So it, it kind of depends if the majority is saying it's not affecting our youth. Um, Rather than the minority, then I think, I think that matters. Like majority rules, Neil. Sorry, uh, Lizzie, what are you thinking? I think that we all need to get a clue and recognize what's going on around us. Our youth are not smoking weed, buying weed because Method Man decided to put a cartoon character on his T-shirt and say to cow. It's in our neighborhood. What about like? It's in, what about when we're talking in, about alcohol and, and cigarettes and, and vaping? Are you? Well, one Are we saying we're not advertising? That these are not you advertising. Can't, you, to, you can't. You can't. You cannot publicly they are. advertise. They're not appealing. The, right. You can't. That's their lifestyle. I know, and, but the reason, because again, this it's it's regulated more. Again, yeah. you cannot publicly advertise cigarettes on televisions, on television and on the radio and in any market in this country because there is a direct link between tobacco and addiction and can and nicotine and cancer. That is completely different from weed. That has been established by the medical profession in our country and by the government. 
Weed is mm-hmm. a bit different. Weed is a bit different. There's no nicotine or tobacco in weed. And there is a, a big debate about the addictive properties of weed. Although I do know some folks that are, that are addicted to weed, okay? Um, but people aren't dying of weed cancer. All right? That's a good and argument, so, obviously. And, and so I, I think we, we got to be careful about how we try to lump all of these things together, particularly because this is already so much in our cult, so much a part of our culture. Like when I tell you that I don't do weed, I don't smoke weed, I don't advocate for weed. I'm usually, usually the outlier. I'm usually the one who is, you know, different from everybody else in my group. And it's not just weed. I mean, now, you know, people are getting very creative. It's edibles now. It's edibles mm-hmm. now. It's like, you know, what you can eat that doesn't stink, that people don't assume that is marijuana or the ganja or, you know, the reefer or whatever. Maybe I can use it. Maybe I can come up with a name with reefer. Let me think about that. Let me <laughs> think, <laughs> think of a new name. Think of a new but then name. What, um, so, but we have alcohol that's regulated, right? So because of age mm-hmm. restrictions, we... I mean, I, I understand the cancer connection between cigarettes, but it's still regulated. We have um, different, of course, drugs um, that are, I'm talking prescription drugs that are regulated. And so, you know, there are certain requirements, particularly for branding and advertising towards children, for all of those things, except for weed right now. And the only reason is because um, it's not fully regulated yet. Um, and the main reason for that is because the federal government, it's still, um, it's still illegal as far as the federal government is concerned in the U.S. So therefore, they can't create regulations for something that's already illegal. So well, I think we're it, allowing a little leeway because of that. I mean, I think at this mm-hmm. point, there are probably 20, over 20 states um, where it is legal you know, to buy certain amounts of, of marijuana. They don't want you, you know, selling pounds it's and pounds. Legal. Or it's not illegal. It's, it's, um, it's, it's not illegal in those states. Decriminalized. Decriminalized. It's not right. illegal. It's not legal. It's legal in Colorado to smoke marijuana. For medical purposes. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> for, for more than medical purposes. For more than, and, and has been for years. Um, and now you just, with that asinine statement, you just missed, you made me forget what I was about to say. Um, so pick up for me, Rob. I'll think of it. I'll think of yeah, it. Yeah. So one thing that I, so one thing that I had really appreciate about this marketing campaign, you know, if someone is more prone to go to a dispensary and purchase their wares there, you know what you are getting. You're not getting a product that's been laced with any other product. You are getting something that is regulated. Exactly. It ties into the fentanyl conversation that we were having last week. So if, if you market the product properly, the market will balance out the price eventually. Uh, Canada is proof positive of that, that when the cannabis prices first came out when with the legalization, the prices were ridiculous. So anyone that smoked just kind of went, eh, nope. So you're still going to have to seek alternative means to source this product. Yeah. But so, um, yeah, no, there's definitely benefits to it, Neil. And if we can have advertising for alcohol, and these are party, these are, you know, I'm thinking of like Bud Light commercials and whatnot. It's a college style 
party. Well, that has greater draw to the teenagers than a cartoon T-shirt. Just saying. Yeah. Also, right. we have to we have Real to quick. think about the fact that it it makes sense to have people in the black community take control of this and have businesses that promote this because one, young black people are smoking weed mm-hmm. as well as young white people. However, the negative stigma only goes Boy, to that. young mm-hmm. black people. Yeah. Uh-huh. I agree. You know, like think of think of Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin, you know, when he was killed, um, it was like, oh, he was a thug. He was smoking weed, whatever, whatever. However, you get a a young white boy in the same situation Mm -hmm. and the conversation because it's just weed. Yeah. It's just marijuana. So, So, you know, it it makes a difference. It makes a difference. And my my thoughts, actually, is I think the government needs to completely uh, delete. I mean, make it legal and, and better regulated. That's my thought. But um, Jacqueline Robinson says cigarettes are regulated. There's a pipe and tobacco store in Cleveland Park that sells CBD as well as bongs, hookers, and paraphernalia. You can buy and grow weed in D.C., but you have to have over a certain, but if you have over a certain amount, like a whole brick, consider possession yeah. with the yeah. intent to distribute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Oh so, yeah, that, that was a uh, good quick fire. Lizzie Booth. Lizzie Booth. Let me look that up. Let me look that up. Lizzie. I like that one, Lizzie. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. I really like that. Lizzie. No, not that I, I wouldn't buy it, but I could see people. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy my own product it. either. But, you know, supply and demand. Supply yeah. and demand. All right. I'd smoke your stuff <laughs> if you could get it across the border. <laughs> All right, if y'all let me in, Rob. If y'all let me in, y'all let me in. All right, we'll get to some more interesting headlines from my host a little bit later in the show. But right now, it's time for our COVID chronicles. Now, I don't know if you heard um, about Heidi. I for name, I think her name is Heidi Ferrer. She's a Hollywood screenwriter. She did for Hawson, Dawson's Creek, um, and she was dealing with post-COVID. Uh, symptoms for about 13 months before she tragically took her life. And then there was actor Nick Cordero, uh, who had a long battle with COVID complications until he ultimately passed away at the age of 41. A huge number of people are surviving COVID, but every day are dealing with the after effects of the virus. And today, more, more, it's a much more infectious Delta variant, and it's ravaging the country. And the long-term effects of this variant is still not known. Um, so we wanted to bring you a little more truth on COVID in our series we call the COVID Chronicles. There's plenty of lies and misinformation of coronavirus. So Truth Lies Shenanigans brings you the truth. Stories directly from the people that lived it. Frontline workers and survivors. This is the COVID Chronicles. Yes. Hi, and today our Lauren. guest is Lauren. Lauren Novak. Hi, guys. Who is a Welcome COVID survivor, Lauren. but has had a very difficult time dealing with the long haul symptoms. Lauren, thank you so much, so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me because honestly, I don't think people know about what's what's going on. It's not really being talked about in the media at all. And there's a lot of people in my shoes. I'm not at all a outlier in this. Um, so it's an important conversation, I think, to have. Well, thank you for being here. Now, first off, I simply want to ask, how are you feeling today? I'm okay today. Um, I think the thing that's really hard about 
the long haul stuff is that it's very episodic. Um, it's like an episodic disability. And the thing that's hardest for me is what's called post-exertional malaise, which is something that you might be familiar with if you're familiar with anybody who has ME-CFS or chronic fatigue syndrome, um, where you kind of don't know how much is too much until after the fact, like you feel fine. And then mm-hmm. you end up, you know, laid up in bed for, for days um, with hosts of your old symptoms. Um, so I think, I think that's the most frustrating part of it because you can't predict when that's going to happen. And it makes living your life and going to work and, you know, maintaining your relationships um, quite challenging. Yeah. So can you give us a little background on yourself, your family, what you do? Yeah, of course. Um, I am a behavior consultant at Behavior Vets NYC in New York City. So I work with um, behaviorally challenged dogs. Our veterinarians are like psychiatrists um, and our behavior consultants, me being one of them, are like the hands-on therapists that do the hands-on stuff with the the animals. Um, So that's what I do. And I'm also in grad school. Um, Going back to grad school, I had to take medical leave because of the COVID stuff. And I'm getting my, my master's degree in applied behavior analysis. So I had to do 360 hours of hands-on work with kids on the spectrum. And that's actually how I got COVID. So mm-hmm. the first week of November, I was working with my family. They were the only people I was really seeing um, because in, in my dog work, we had gone completely virtually but you can't work with a autistic child through a screen. That's very, very difficult, especially um, if the child is nonverbal. You know, some of them you can, some of them you can't. The child I was working with, it's not going to happen. Um, and it was the first week of November and the nanny came in with allergies. Mm-hmm. Everybody, all three kids tested positive, even though none of them was, were symptomatic. The parents got sick. Most of, you know, they, you know, regular two week go for them. But for me, I just passed the nine month mark. So you just passed are. nine months. Uh, nine yeah. months. Yeah, still dealing. Nine. So oh my God. Can you describe in a little more detail what you've been dealing with since? Yeah, the, the first two weeks were, um, I have to say, nothing like I've ever experienced before. I had the flu once when I was 15, um, and it, it was not like that. I. You know, I live in Manhattan. I'm in a 700 square foot apartment. I can basically see my toilet from my bed and walking <laughs> from the bed to the bathroom, like my muscles would be on fire as if wow. I was like doing too many squats at the gym. Um, I passed out on day four and went to the hospital um, in the shower. Oh, just passed out. They didn't admit, admit me. So, you know, I was considered, you know, it, it sucked. It was, it, it was a terrible two weeks, but I was considered a, you know, mild case. This wasn't a severe illness. They don't really consider you severe unless you're admitted and like in the ICU, um, needing like really intense supportive care. So what happened really is like on week three, once I was out of the quarantine period, I went back to work, but I just didn't really have the stamina. I was really tired. Like just, I just like really couldn't do it really out of breath easily. Um, and I was sleeping all the time. And I actually called at the end of week three, I was like, this doesn't seem normal. And I had heard about the long hauler stuff. Um, cause my mom is really, she's really good about keeping up to date on everything. And I called here in New York, Mount Sinai, I started a long haul clinic and I called them and I said, what do you consider a long hauler? 
like week three, you know, like you're getting over a big virus. I don't expect to feel a hundred percent, but this feels like more than that. Um, and they were like, well, and this was at the end of November. And they said, well, our first opening is in February. Wow. And I said, okay, I'll just make an appointment and hopefully I can cancel it. Like, let's just, let's just get on the books just in case, since there's a three month wait. Um, and unfortunately I, I needed that appointment. Um, I didn't see a pulmonologist until April because that's how backlogged mm. everybody is. Um, so, and, and I was, I was, because in New York, Especially they were like, York. what, a thousand? We got yeah. What was it, like a thousand a day that were dying in New York? Yeah. It was so bad. Yeah. Um, but the thing that's really bad, you know, I feel very lucky because I was in the second wave. And by then we had tests, like I have a confirmed positive test. I know I had it. And at Mount Sinai, they weren't taking long haulers who from the first wave because they didn't have confirmed positives. And there were so many people in need of care that I think they had to like filter somehow, but there were these people suffering from March of 2020 who still hadn't gotten an appointment by the time I was seen in February of 2021. Um, So my diagnosis include vagal neuropathy. So your vagus nerve, just neuropathy of the vagus nerve, which is also the vagus nerve. Where is is that? Yeah. Your vagus nerve controls pretty much like everything, like your breathing, your heart rate, all of that sort of stuff. Um, Respiratory, like reactive airway disease, which is pretty mild in terms of like lung stuff on an inhaler. That's okay. I just finished eight months of respiratory rehab Um, and POTS, which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Mm -hmm. So I'm in cardiac rehab right now and also MECFS, the chronic fatigue syndrome. So I really, it's just like a mishmash of all of these things that I'm sure they will have like different labels for, you know, eventually once, once there's more than in time, there's probably going to be like, you know, chronic COVID type that we've never. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I have all of these like labels for stuff. Um, and, and mostly so far, it's a lot of different kinds of therapies and rehabs to get sort of back to where you you were. And I have to say mm-hmm. that I I can do more now. Like it, it takes it takes more for me to crash. Um, but cardiac rehab causes me to crash. Um, the, the first time they increased me at cardiac rehab, I had symptoms for a month. Um, I was in a wedding two weeks ago and I paced myself as much as I could. I mean, I said yes to this wedding before any of us in the United States even knew what COVID was, right? Like this wedding was postponed, postponed, postponed. Um, but it finally happened, which was really exciting. And it was a very safe wedding because every single person at the wedding was vaccinated. So I went. And I was, I mean, I drank like five liters of water. I didn't drink any alcohol. I sat down whenever I could sit down. You know, I didn't talk to people in the morning. I stayed in my room. I did my breathing exercises. I didn't dance. I did everything I could possibly do. And I woke up the next day with new symptoms that I had never had. Wow. And Monday, I slept for 18 hours. Then Tuesday, I slept oh for 16 God. hours. Like It was like a new personal record, um, which at this point Aww. was very frustrating. Like I'm at month nine and it should only be better, right? Like I shouldn't be having new symptoms. I shouldn't have a new like personal record for sleeping. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a journey and it's over. 
Um, so let me and ask. I'm, I'm also not. A- I'm sorry. Did, did um, is this because are are you feeling this way? Do they know that it's if it's because COVID ravaged your lungs specifically, or did it attack other parts of your body, other parts of your immune system? Excellent question. So, I do not have any permanent organ damage. So that's the that's the big thumbs up, okay. right? So when people are referring to long haulers, so attack your immune those system. aren't typically people who like had lung damage or, or heart damage. Although of course there are people who have have that, and that's absolutely awful. I'm very lucky I don't have that. Okay, they're still trying to understand the biological mechanism of action for like what is going on. Okay, um, yeah. We know it's an inflammatory response. We know there's some sort of immune dysfunction. Okay. Um, there's some new research coming out sort of showing where where those things are and some new blood tests that you can do. But we're at the very nascent stages of understanding what's sort of going on here. Yeah. And so the, the thought process so far has been very much like really, really stupid slow rehabilitation and uh-huh. sort of teaching your body how to cope. Uh, under these new conditions um, to hopefully get back to where you used to be. And I just, I just don't think we have enough information at this point to say exactly what it is. There's lots of great theories. I'm sure they're probably all right. Right. And I, and again, back to the chronic COVID type A type B type C, that's what I think we're going to see in the future. Um, And hopefully some really good drugs to clean up the immune system or get it working again or or what have you. Are you vaccinated Um, right now? Yes. Okay. Yes, sir. I'm vaccinated and I'm like thinking about going into the pharmacy and begging for round three. They just approved it for You're people like, who man. are severely immunocompromised. Um, and I know long haulers are considered like mildly immunocompromised. And I want to be like, don't you have enough yeah. for me? Can I have the third one? You know? Yeah. Um, so Johnny, do you have a question? Johnny Storm. Yeah, I wanted to ask if you personally dealt with any um, like mental health symptoms or any mental health um, situations. I, I'm sure you have, but how have you gotten through yeah, that? If you that's have. a really good. That's a that's a really good question. Um, you know, there is a really lovely support group by Body Politic. Um, there's a whole Slack channel, and there's a there's even one of the one of the pages on, on that Slack channel is a mental health resource page because it's really is rough for for me. I cannot even describe what the fatigue is like with this. And part of the silver lining of the fatigue being so bad is not having enough energy to be anxious and not having enough energy to be sad. I mean, especially wow. in the beginning, I was really, really, really sick. I, I couldn't even watch Netflix. Like, when I was awake, it was enough That's to stare at the scene. But I wasn't bored, and I wasn't anxious. And, you know, if you know me, like, wow. I'm on antidepressants. I definitely am a, and a go-go. You know, I'm your typical type A-plus New Yorker who, like, is go-go-go. And, you know, we have yeah, an anxiety at definitely one of those people. I have never been less anxious in my life because I'm like too tired to be anxious, which is, wow. I've actually learned from this. <laughs> it's, it's, that, that's sort of been the yeah. silver lining. 
Um, my yeah. struggles mentally have been with expecting to be at a certain place in recovery at a certain time and not getting there. Um, yeah. So my expectation of cardiac rehab was that I would be pretty much done by now. Yeah. And I had to take a leave of absence from school, um, which you can only do for two semesters. All I have left is my thesis. But at the beginning of this, my brain was so bad. Um, I it definitely fell into the category of someone yeah. who I joked and called it like COVID dementia because I like would forget words. I couldn't put a sentence together. I couldn't understand an email. I've heard that a um, lot my, from people. My colleagues, yeah, they would like call me and be like, are you okay? And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, your email doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, and that's I've, heard, I've heard that a like, lot from people who've had COVID. It's yeah, like the brain really, fog. really tough. The brain fog that's is it's, it's so bad. Um, I I couldn't. Here's a good example. I couldn't navigate the vaccine website. Mm. I had to have my friend like literally like on the phone with me and be like, point here, click here. Like I just I couldn't just I couldn't like process wow. new information. Yeah. Um, but in terms That's of mental health struggles, almost every COVID person that I've spoken to said there's just some weird that. brain fog. Which, which that's really a challenge because, you know, if my body isn't there yet, we're all working from home. As long as I can sit in front of my computer and be productive and get some mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. done and contribute to the world and contribute, you know, to, to my teammates and to work and, mm-hmm. and all of that, like I can, I can deal. Yes. Um, not being able to do that at 33 is really scary. And I think yeah. in terms of mental health, like I'm, I just passed in month nine and my expectations from cardiac rehab was by the end of the summer, I'm going to be like back to full-time at work. I'll go back to school. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be there mm-hmm. because they said to me, they're like, listen, the people who get through this faster are the ones who listen to us. They do their rehab outside of, mm-hmm. you know, I go Mondays and Wednesdays and you've got to go to the gym and I'm on my recumbent bike and I do it. Like, and I even told them, I'm like, if, if you say five times a day, tell me only, I'm not five times a day, five times a week, make, tell me what the maximum is. Because if you say five times a you week, I'll max, go 10 times. Do whatever it and takes. That's, yeah. Right, exactly. And I'm not there yet. And that's been really, really hard. Um, I actually have to take a leave of absence from work now mm-hmm. because I keep crushing so hard I have and from attempting to do life stuff. Um, I haven't even announced this at work yet. I mean, management knows, but my, my, my colleagues don't. Yeah. It's I'm just at a point where listen, work has been, I'm so lucky and that work has been so accommodating for me and they've switched me from being like client centered to really project based. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to like work as I can. I just feel so bad because I do have clients I cancel on them all the time. I have to reschedule on them all the time because I can't predict when I'm going to crash and when I'm not going to crash. And, you know, now they're saying yeah. I have another seven cardiac rehab and I'm like, I can't just keep canceling wow. on people like that. And you're also only allowed to take two months, not two months, two semesters off from school. So I have to go back. I have to go back and do is that the school now. policy or is that like a national policy or just the school? Policy? No, that that's school policy. Yeah. And I think, I think I should adjust that. Like, yeah, they should make I'm an exception. Sure they probably could. You know, I honestly don't have the energy to like, I, I legitimately don't have the energy to like go through the channels and fight it. I just like and fight it. Right. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm 
going to take a leave from work and, and try to finish school. And we should talk about bureaucracy because um, rehab, cardiac rehab, not covered by insurance. Mm. Like when I, mean, I that was going to be one of my questions. That was going to be one of my questions. It's for POTS and dysautotomnia, which are not new diagnoses, but because it's related to COVID, no insurance company will cover it. Like basically when I signed up for it and it's, you know, I had to go to two cardiologists to get like specially admitted into the program. It's through Mount Sinai. Like this isn't some off the wall hole, you know, I'm not going to some crazy experimental thing. This is like right. evidence-based yeah. rehab. And they were like, just so you know, insurance doesn't cover this. And I'm like, you mean my insurance? And they're like, no, we're not even submitting it to any insurance because insurance just denies. So wow. I hope you can afford it and save your receipts. That's horrible. Um, and if I, and if I wasn't things- married, if I didn't have a husband who could like support me through all of this, yeah. I I do. I'm, I'm in a very, very privileged position. Like, I don't know what people are doing if they're not as lucky as I am with, with that support uh, system. Yeah. And these are things I think that people need to hear. The yeah. people who are yep. so frivolous or who think that, you know, it's not a big deal. It affects so many different aspects of your life. Even if you get it, but you survive, or if you get it and you didn't die, because that's the thing. Like everyone thinks, okay, COVID, death, COVID. No, there is a huge in-between. There's a huge middle ground that a lot of folks don't talk about. And so I want to, before Neo even gets to the, the audience questions, I wanted to ask you about what is rehab? Like, what are you doing in rehab? Let me, just, one, rehab? Let me just get one comment in before. Um, yeah. I just want to read uh, Karen Andrew Thompson. She said, I talked with a friend this past weekend who had COVID, and he talks um, he talks about the brain, fo- the brain fog. Brain he, fog. He says, the only docs that understand are the hospital doctors and nurses, but not his primary care doctors. Mm. Wow. Or probably right. even not even his family, the people around him. Yeah. They don't understand that either. Yeah. I got to say, I, I'm going to admit to something because uh, one of my, um, I, I'm not going to say who, but one of the people that um, I said they had COVID and started having brain fog and was acting weird, I thought that they were just acting weird. Like, oh, that's just my COVID brain fog. And then I started to realize, I thought they were just playing around because the way they were acting, like, I just can't think that through. I can't think it through. And then as I kept hearing wow. more and more people saying that they have this brain fog, I'm like, now I get it. And so now when I'm seeing this person still having the brain fog, I'm like, I get it. Understanding. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's knowledge is important. But go ahead, Lauren. Yeah. Thank you, Lauren. Lizzie's question. So, I know. I, I, think, I think that's an important thing to bring up too. And and when you talk about primary care physicians, again, I'm in the second wave. So I had the benefit of not being those first wave sufferers who were going to their doctors and being like, I'm experiencing X, Y, and Z and being told, Oh, you have anxiety, go take a Xanax. Mm. Right. Which is what everybody experienced in the first wave. And we didn't really know that this was a thing yet. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's why the support groups were formed. Um, But, but to talk about rehab and, and Lizzie's question, like, what does this all look like? I think I'm really fortunate because I don't even have to deal with my primary care physician. Like I'm in the Mount Sinai, like long COVID system, which is great. And even within that system, my biggest sort of wins have been 
see doctors outside of that system. So even within the system of like, this is the long COVID center, wow. they also still don't know what they're doing, but they will listen to you and they'll try things and, you know, they're learning as they go. So, um, my first, my first therapy that I did was speech therapy because what happens with vagal neuropathy is that your vocal cords close. Mm. Part of, and it's one of the reasons you weren't getting oxygen. My oxygen was in the low eighties for like six months. Um, and part, part of the reason is because upon any exertion, your vocal cords just like clamp shut. And so that was actually really fast rehab. I, I have to say like three, four weeks and I was feeling so much better. You just kind of retrain your, your vocal cords to, to go, to open up. Um, the yeah. other, other thing that I'm just finishing up now, which is like a seven or eight, eight month program is reteaching your body correct breathing patterns. So there's, if anybody wants to look it up, you don't even have to go anywhere for this. Um, the doctors at Mount Sinai actually worked with an existing group called Stasis. Um, so if you look up Stasis Performance, you can sign up for a free class to teach you proper breathing patterns. And then they have literally months and months and months and months of exercises. So the exercises are different every day, but it's focused wow. on you how to breathe and then eventually increasing your um diaphragmatic and l- lung capacity to speak stasis um, yeah i think it's stasisperformance.com let me look yeah very easy to find i went to stasis performance right away and there was a nice pop-up the app is coming soon <laughs> yeah but they're okay. they're great so if if anybody had covid is having work you know trouble with breathing that's something that anybody can just go on and start start that process um themselves and i actually think it's been a really good and really helpful grounding program to do because you start and it's maybe 30 minutes a day like you start 10 minutes three times a day and the breathing work i do now it takes two hours so you really like you're really i spend all my day doing rehab exercises honestly um and then cardiac rehab for the for the dysautotomia for me um, it's all recumbent because what happens when I stand up is my heart rate skyrockets. Um, and I also have tachycardia randomly. So, you know, I could be sitting here and my heart rate could just skyrocket by 50 beats per minute for no reason. Um, so you start with everything recumbent because the issue is that your body's having trouble pumping the blood back up to your heart, lungs, and brain. And that results in a lot of dizziness, sometimes mm-hmm. fainting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, certainly, I don't think it helps with the brain fog if you're like blood flow. Your brain is not. Right. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. On top of that, yeah. so it, it's mostly re, work recumbent, recumbent strength work. And I started with 15 minutes on a recumbent bike. Um, I'm 11 weeks in, and I'm up to 20 minutes. Wow! So that's how slow it is. And wow, it's wow. not that it do, it's not that I'm like on the bike and I'm going, I'm panting and I'm like, you know, feel like my muscles are, right. my legs are going to fall off because I'm working so hard. It's that, you know, when they pushed me from the, fir- from the first time from 15 minutes to 18 minutes, I was symptomatic for a month. So it's not that it's so hard to do. It's that it's the after effect. And it's so when you're in cardiac Because your immune system's so responding. It's still responding wow. and what we think is happening or what the researchers think is happening is that like 
whatever's happening in the immune system is happening in the endothelium, which is the lining of your blood vessels. So mm-hmm. once you get things growing, things get sort of kicked up. That's one of the current right. hypotheses. Um, but, but that's the thing that's so difficult about the post-exertional malaise and, and why I think the best term of explaining long-haul symptoms is that it's an episodic disability, mm-hmm. is I could be here talking to you today and I could be fine. I got up really early this morning and I had a four-hour training session um, in the park with a dog. I can already hear my throat going. I don't know if I'm going to be okay tomorrow. I don't know if this was too much. And so in in the beginning, when you're learning how to pace and it's like, okay, I can be on the computer for 30 minutes and then I have to lie down for 20 minutes. Like you learn what you can do and what isn't, isn't enough. But at a certain point, you have to start sort of living your life a little bit more. And it can be really hard to quantify what is too much until it's too late. Um, And so that's, that's the journey. And I think, you know, tying the mental health stuff back into it, not all my friends get it. Not everybody that I know gets it. Like very, very close friends get it because they're lovely and they're there for me. You know, my friends that I like see to have fun with or, or whatnot, you know, I, I was talking to someone the other day and I was like, yeah, I saw my cardiologist today and they want me to go on disability. And he looked at me and he's like, really? And I'm like, is that an appropriate response? Wow. Me say, yeah. <laughs> like, um, crazy or something. But, you know, they don't understand. It's yeah. one of those, you know, I don't want to say silent. It's one of those invisible illnesses, right? I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm not hobbling around on a cat. Right. Like yeah. I look fine. Right. So and you look healthy. You, you look, look healthy. healthy. Yeah. I look, to the vid- I look yeah. so much better th- than I used to. And frankly, I sometimes question if I'm insane. Like when I have bad days and good days, I go, oh, I feel like my body is Aww. gaslighting me because <laughs> I have days. Where I got this. I could totally do thesis. Why am I going to take time off of work? I could totally do it all. I, to- I, I absolutely can't. If I tried to do that, I'd be back in bed for 18 hours. But, all right. but like, you feel like that sometimes. Yeah, questions. Let's get a, I'm going to yeah, stop talking. Question. No, you're fine. You're fine. Let me get a question in from Rob B. Before we run out of time. Yeah, just thank you for sharing all of these details about your journey. And I guess my question is, with all of these symptoms and effects, how has your family role changed since, become, since everything started? Um... That's a really tough one. And that's tough because we're, when you're in a partnership, it's really supposed to be give and take. And right now I really feel like it's all take, 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 take. And I'll be honest, there are times that I do things and I know I'm going to crash afterwards, but I'm just like, if I don't do this, like, it's just not like, you know, I, I have to do this for, for my husband. I have to support him in this way, especially you know, my husband has an air conditioning business. It's been a brutal summer. He, you know, of oh, course, yeah. all of us, even, like this isn't, I'm not the only person going through stuff. He's going through stuff too. And, you know, we're actually oh. in the middle of a bathroom renovation that um, <laughs> was supposed to be done and we're living without a bathroom right now. So yeah, I push myself sometimes yeah. because I want to support my husband and I love him and he's, he's been wonderful. And have we had talks about it? Yeah. I was terrified that he was going to resent me. And, you know, I'm like having a really hard time with all of this. And I think he sees how hard I'm working on this. Like he sees how hard I'm working to try to get better. 
And he also sees yeah. that I physically can't get out of bed for 18 hours. Wow. You know, he knows that it's not. Sees it all. It's, it's, it's not like I'm not like making this up. And he knows me very well. Like he knows that I'm not the kind of person who's just like going to milk it. I want to be out there doing stuff. I want to be, you know, walking the dog. I, w- I want to be, you know, I want to be doing all of these things. And that's sort of one of the things I said to him when I was like, you know, I really think I have to take time off of work because there, I, first of all, there's no way if I, if I don't, there's no way I'm going to be able to be a partner in, in any aspect. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. right. But I, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm lucky because he's so supportive, but that is, that is, that does work Challenge. against you with your mental health struggle because you know, you want to be, a part of a relationship, not just like a little leech that's like, support me. Thank you. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's a tough feeling. Yeah. Yeah. We're that running is, out of time. Yeah. Unfortunately, I just want to get to some of these comments online. Um, Cause we have a bunch, there's a bunch of questions as well. So I'll get to the comments first. Uh, Daria Winter says the body is fascinating in the way it functions. I wholeheartedly agree. The body is magnificent creation. Absolutely fascinating. Um, um, Jose says, uh, COVID scares the shit out of me. Uh, totally different lifestyle, a complete overhaul. Um, Olivia says, this story is why I'm so frustrated with the government or regular people that talk about the death numbers. Death numbers are not the only thing. Let's talk about people living with COVID. Those are the true numbers that continually, yeah. Um, Mike Winter also says, It's actually, I think this is a statistic. About 20% of people who get COVID will end up as long haulers. 20%, wow. And I've been waiting for this research to come out, obviously, for nine months. And we finally now know, unfortunately, that the vaccine doesn't do anything to protect you against becoming a long hauler. Mm. Right, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to die. It does an excellent job of of protecting against very severe illness and death. But it, it doesn't, unfortunately, do anything to protect against against long COVID. Um, and I think so, that's you know, been one of my biggest frustrations is that the conversation is always about, or often about who has COVID and who died from COVID, right? And not what's been going on in between. Um, and I yeah. think this is a, an important conversation to hear. Like, okay, yeah, you can get it and you can survive, but how well are you living after surviving? Like, what are your, what are the long-term effects? Um, and it pains me to, to sit here and hear you talk about what's been going on. And have they given you a timeline of when this is could possibly be over? Um, my cardiologist said that on average, it's taking long haulers about nine months to get through cardiac rehab. Mm. And you probably won't be 100%, but you'll be much more functional. So I don't know that there's a timeline to like you're yourself again. I don't know that that exists. And I think it also probably differs from person to person. I'm sure there are people who, sure. you know, six months after are totally fine. And there's people who, um, you know, got, got COVID in March of 2020 who are long haulers who are still suffering. So yeah. it, it really varies. Um, but there's no, there's no guarantee. It's, I, I think it would be easier if there was a guarantee, right? Like if you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and you're like, okay, this, this sucks, but it'll be 15 minutes, months and I'll be fine. You know, that's, that's a little easier to deal with. It's the, it's the uncertainty of like, when am I going to be myself again? When can I live my normal life again? That's, that's really a challenge. Yeah. 
Lauren, unfortunately, we've run out of time. Um, but I'd like to ask you if you could just take a minute to say any final words to anyone. Uh, also, if you want to acknowledge anyone, you can take the time to do that. I just want to say, everybody, get vaccinated. Wear your masks. You know, look at you know your risk versus the benefit of what you're doing. And I'd actually like to give a shout out to um, an epidemiologist who I think is doing a really wonderful job following all of the up-to-date research. Um, if you go to yourlocalepidemiologist.com, she does a f- fabulous job. She sends um, emails or you, can, you know the newsletter that you can follow or you can check her out online, um, really dissecting the latest research, everything COVID-related, so that you can make good um, risk assessment decisions for yourself and your family. Um, and I just think she's doing excellent work and everybody should follow her. Wonderful. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you so much, Lauren, for joining the podcast and telling your story. It was Thank you, Matia. Yeah, we Thanks do appreciate it. And, and we're going to check in with you. We're going to definitely have Lizzie check in with you and see how you're doing. Yes. Um, keep up with you. Bye, guys. All right. Happy last Thank you, thank you so much, Thank you so much for joining that. Happy last Thank you again. All right. I just hope people are paying attention to this. I I just hope people are paying attention to this Um, because you have a lot of people who feel like, okay, well, you know, the death numbers aren't that bad or people die every day. It's not about just dying. It's also about living how you live after getting this particular virus. Like it's been, I mean, we saw Marcus Eason, who was on our show a year ago, he had fingers amputated. He was on a ventilator for 15 days, had two strokes. Like, this is no joke, people. This is no joke. Absolutely not. All right. Let's get to our host's topics for today. That was... uh... Yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> we, we, have, we actually have more uh, COVID stuff to talk about, so let, let's get into it. Truth, lies, shenanigans. All right, so let's see what our hosts have for you today. Um, if you've never been to TLS before, each week our hosts bring you headlines and news they want to discuss. That host will tell everybody what's going on, and our lovely panel will talk about it, sharing their unique <laughs> Points of view on the question until we see our friend Gingy, who was a little early. <laughs> and that's when we know time is up. And it's time to hear from you. And we'll take your online comments and questions. At the very end, we'll check with the panel, see if they think this was truth, lies, or shenanigans. For podcast listeners, you can always join in the conversation live every Sunday, 4 p.m. We stream all major platforms YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. At TLS Live Show. All right, let's get to it. We're starting with Gianni Storm today. Looks like Biden's moratorium on evictions is moving forward. Tell us what's going on, Gianni. Okay, so federal a federal judge in D.C. declined to block Joe Biden's moratorium on evictions imposed by the CDC. So the district court judge Frederick rejected an effort by a group of property owners to put the moratorium more moratorium, sorry, <laughs> on hold. Um, challengers argued that because the Supreme Court signaled the CDC that the CDC lacked the necessary legal authority, the current moratorium is invalid too because it is based on the same public health law. So my question to the panel, do you believe the moratorium is the right thing for 
citizens, American citizens at this time? And what are some pros and cons of this moratorium? Right. I'm going to start with Robbie Rocco. Um, I see the moratorium as being a responsible thing because as I was doing preparing for this story, um, started a couple of different uh, sites and just to brush up, and I saw a really interesting image with the protesters that eviction equals death. And in many instances, I would absolutely agree with that because if you are homeless, it puts you at a much higher risk category, and especially during a pandemic. For businesses, they're in a tough spot because, I mean, people are staying at home. They're not shopping. They're not engaged in the local economy the way that they were previously in order to be able to sustain a business. Does the so, moratorium uh, work towards businesses as well? Yeah. Is it? It's, yeah, it, it does. Yeah. At both residential and commercial, yeah. Awesome. Uh, and, and, Renters. And the moratorium covers 91% of uh, 91% of counties, I think it is, throughout America. And I think some it's 80, states and but... count, Yeah, some states and counties have made, have put their own uh, moratoriums in place just to uphold them. Um, cons is pretty straightforward. If I'm a business, so if I am, I'm a property owner, then I could be without revenue that I need in order to survive. But there are federal subsidies that are available for that as well. But I know that they're very behind in distributing these funds. This is why people are behind on their rents. It's um, it's a tough situation. And it's but not I'm easy to get those funds either. Uh, I mean, it's no, not, it is. Yeah, not easy, but the funds they give you don't really cover much of anything in, in many cases. Yeah, not yeah. rent for three months back. Lizzie, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I think one of the things we need to take into consideration with Gianni's question is that Americans, um, the people that are being affected by this, aren't just big business conglomerates, okay? I know a lot of people like you and me that are property owners, that are landlords, that have lost a lot of money over the past year because they haven't gotten anything in rent. I have a friend in Queens, New York. She inherited her mom's property, I'm gonna say like maybe 10 years ago. And so instead of selling it, she decided to rent it out, okay? Um, The pandemic comes, happens, it hits her and her husband hard with their regular business outside of real estate, also hits her um, renters, her tenants hard. At this point, we're in August of 2021. She hasn't gotten any money in 10 months. They haven't paid rent in 10 months. But according to her, they had a party for Memorial Day. They had a party for 4th of July, which included fireworks, Mm -hmm. which the cops had to be called. And so I think... We, we need to consider both, like Rob alluded to, we need to consider both sides of the coin here. Yeah. Like not all, you know, landlords are big property management companies, especially in the mm. black community where we are encouraging people to invest in generational wealth, to become entrepreneurs, to step outside of their nine to five and have a side hustle where they're also making money. They're being affected too. And I think unfortunately with, with any type of situation, a lot of people are taking advantage. Yeah. A lot of yeah. people are taking advantage. And so I, I, 
I understand the moratorium. I, I get it. I get it. But at the same time, I'm just like, but what do we do for the other side? Because the moratorium on mortgages ended early July. So if you're a property owner, you, 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 you're not getting any money. You're not getting any break right now. I know I, I live in a very expensive apartment in Washington, D.C. And we got, we started getting emails from the property management company. I'm going to say like maybe six, seven months ago, encouraging people to apply for the government funds that will help you pay rent. That's another thing. Like a lot of people aren't applying for funds that can help them. Um, yeah. A lot yeah. of people are mismanaging those funds that can help yeah. them. A lot of people aren't applying the funds that they get to rent. Mm -hmm. And what everyone doesn't understand, the moratorium doesn't mean an alleviation. Right. That's you still have to pay once everything, yeah. you know, ends. And so that means you're going to be six, seven, eight months in eight. for rent plus all of the interest and late fees. Like there's a lot that goes into this. And I just think we, one, the government needs to step in on both sides and kind of figure out a middle ground that could be beneficial to both sides. But also oh, yeah. some renters, some renters, I'm not saying all, some renters need to start taking responsibility because there are a lot of people out here who think that this is a free for all. Mm-hmm. And that they don't have to do anything that they don't. I, I, I've seen it. I've seen I it. Too. Look at your look at your social media posts and people boasting about mm -hmm. shit. Yep. And so yeah, that's why I'm just like, I, I feel because, <laughs> you know, I, you are, I, are, are we about to agree again? Are we about to agree again? What the hell is going on lately? <laughs> absolutely. We're absolutely when agreeing. when the when the lockdown when we first went into the lockdown for the pandemic, I had two jobs. Okay, I was a professor at Howard, which was paying me nothing. So I had to take on a second job um, in the service industry at a restaurant. And you know, the service industry shut down immediately. And so because of that, I was furloughed and qualified for unemployment. So unemployment for the first six months, maybe a little bit longer in the U.S., was $888 after taxes, $888 per week, right? For the average person living, the average person in the United States, that is kind of more than what you're getting from your regular job, unfortunately. Right. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it's kind of more than what you're getting for your regular job. So I was still working at Howard making, getting my earned unemployment. So I was able to, um, pay my rent for months. Yeah. I was able to pay my rent, but unemployment, it ends, it dissipates, yeah. it stops. Like it's not unlimited unemployment. So the question becomes for some of these people, what have you been doing with that mm -hmm. money? Yeah. Or I said to a friend a couple of weeks ago who hasn't been working for over a year, there are a lot of remote jobs that you could apply for. Why aren't you attempting to work? And her response to me was, well, because I'm getting that check. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, let me let me jump in here real quick, because I, I agree with you on every single Sounds point like you stated, like actually. I, I mean, even even down to, like you say, uh, the, the um, 
unemployment because there's an extreme labor shortage in the country right now. And that's because of the unemployment checks, but a lot of people are taking advantage. And that's where the problem is. You know, I, I get the re- I like Lizzie, I get the reason for the moratorium because we don't want people thrown out on their, their asses when, when they're struggling to get jobs and things like that. But there has to yeah. come a point in time where we, um, we find a different solution to the problem, whether it's some type of rental assistance or something, because I don't want to repeat everything that Lizzie said because she said it so well. Um, but the landlords, you know, are not making any money. I mean, I even look at they, like they have to pay too. Yeah. So our, our so of course my wife owns Posh Cycling and Fitness, Posh Fit, um, and the only reason we've been able to survive was because the landlord was working with her. Right? She said, "Hey, you know, there was a period of time where she couldn't pay at all." And there was a period of time when she could pay a little bit. And then, well, the thing is, we had to meet with him because he was like, you know, I need you to start paying. I need you to start paying. And we met with him. We sat down with him. And um, the landlord, great landlord, by the way, um, great landlord. But he was honest with us about his situation. Exactly. And he told exactly. us that he has a cash flow issue because he also has his own business. He's a dentist. And his dentistry business dropped, so he can't supplement, uh, you know, his his uh, commercial business as well. He can't pay for the bills there because his business, the whole dental business died. And he has a huge cash flow issue. And he wants to help, and he's tried to help, but now he's at a point where he just can't anymore. And so we had to find yeah. a good middle ground where we were able to come to a good middle ground. But the thing is, he's working with us. Most landlords may not be, but it's because yeah. of this problem. This problem of they are not making money and they need to make money. How else are they surviving, if, especially if this is your primary source of income? Um, and the economy is still strong, which is strange. And there are jobs out there. So there, is, there comes a point in time where people can pay their rent, actually. They just need to find the position. Some people may not be able. There are certain situations. And I think the government needs to start looking at specific situations and helping those individuals. That's what they should be doing. If you're going to set aside money, yeah, set should. aside money for specific situations and help those specific situations. When you have to decide between paying rent or groceries or your lights, there's a problem. That's right. when the you need to be able to show that that's should... the case. Right. Yeah. You also need to be you need to be proactive, I think, in helping yourselves. And my God, I feel like I'm sounding like, you know, a, a old decrepit Republican here. But at the same time, it's just <laughs> like, you know, the government is only responsible for you up until a point. Right. That's true. And but what if people don't have no- online skills and they're they're more like trade workers and their trade can't be like if they go out. There's not a lot of work anymore how, how they, because how did, they, how did they find that trade job to begin with? Like you have to True. network. It, it's 2021. You have to network. Adapt. You have to adapt. You have to adapt and keep up with the times. And, and the economy again, is good, and there listen, are jobs. I'm telling I've you, there been jobs. Yeah, a lot. Who yeah. thinks that you know? I'm 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 speaking from a position of privilege. I have been. I was down and out before the pandemic. Okay, before the pain, which is why I had a second job, because I wasn't being paid well at my primary job and the bills kept coming. 
I had just moved to DC. I incurred a whole bunch of debt when I moved here, didn't have a job that was paying me for months. So I was like, okay, well, no one's going to pay this debt for you. You have to figure out how you're going to do this for yourself. You've got to be about that hustle. And I think a lot of people during the pandemic have taken um, the situation for granted and aren't about that hustle. But we need to also understand that landlords have bills too. Absolutely. Landlords have bills too. Like this isn't, you're not a landlord and you were just, you know, a part of the supreme uber rich and you don't, (laughs) you know, you can just own these things and you're taking all of these money. Like every person that I know that owns property is a regular motherfucker. (laughs) They're just, they're, they're regular, regular, they're regular. And this is something that I thought about when my mom passed away. And we had the opportunity to, after the, you know, um, reverse mortgage, we had the opportunity to buy the house outright and potentially rent it. I was like, I want no part of being a landlord for this very reason. I don't have the income to supplement people who cannot pay me rent. I don't do, I, I don't have that. And I think people need to start understanding that landlord does not mean XYZ company. It's people like us who are also landlords. So this is affecting everyone. And I'm not saying I'm not against the moratorium. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is everyone needs to do their part. Renters included. I think the moratorium needs a little more thought. Done better. Renters and government included. Renters and government included. But you can't just be sitting out here doing nothing, not trying to help yourself, thinking, well, I don't have to pay rent this month. I'm not going to have to pay rent. You don't have the right to live on a property for free that you don't own. It can't be just moratorium and go. That mindset is an issue as well. That's true. Let's get to... uh, Actually, this was a pretty hot topic. (laughs) Let me... uh, so Ernest Cooper says, "Great point, Lizzie. Landlords are some. Uh, Jack and Rob says, Sam, landlords are sometimes left holding the bag. They want to get rid of shitty tenants and can't. That's often." Yeah. Uh, Mike Wolf, mortgages should also be forgiven. Banks can take care of themselves. Now that I agree with. Banks have, and like I said, banks can the, figure the that out. Oh, yeah, for that's mortgages, true. The moratorium for mortgages ended in that's July. True. Now that property owners are are at mm-hmm. you know at a standstill. The banks will survive. Wow. I mean, you don't have to, even if it's like a, a a longer period of time, the banks will do just fine. Um, especially after yeah, we gave will. them a bailout. <laughs> Right. And even during recessions, the banks seem to be able to post profits and pay their yeah. dividends and pay their bonuses. They always find a way. Insurance companies, too. So, you know what? Instead of paying it to the execs and to the shareholders, pay it back down to the people who are putting the money into your goddamn system that enable you to keep becoming <laughs> ultra rich. Yeah. It's time this to stop right. becoming ultra rich and just take care of the 99%. Yeah. So when we were younger and my sister, you know, Jacqueline Robinson, who's watching this, my dad used to say this to us all the time. The two main bills that you need to pay in life, rent slash mortgage, he considered those to be the same, rent slash mortgage so you can have a roof over your head and your electricity bill so you could have lights inside. Yeah. Everything mm-hmm. else is Power. kind of like, okay, you get it how you get it, but you need a place to live and you need to be able to see where you're living. And I don't think a lot of people are understanding that. Um, so, I want, I, yeah, I appreciate the moratorium. 
I appreciate the more because I could have taken advantage of it, but I'm like, no, I work. Right, I'm so going to do time. this. So, but we got to do we got to do better. The yeah. government and people, we have yeah. to do better on both sides. All on right. both sides. So, Daria Winter says it's sometimes easy to make these comments about the poor. See the numbers of children who will be on the streets about who are uh, who who are going to be on the streets sure. without heat this summer. That's something, I mean, she makes a good point. I, and again, I don't think any of us are against the moratorium itself. We just think it should be done, no, done better but, itself. Um, yeah. And Mike Winter says, labor shortage is not because of unemployment checks, sir. Talking to me clearly. <laughs> That's a fallacy from the right. Liz's anecdotal evidence is just that we don't know if the majority of the people who refuse to go back to McDonald's for minimum wage uh, for 39 hours and no benefits. All right. I mean, to that point, yes, we don't know that that's fully the problem, but I think it contributes. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it definitely is a is a contributing factor. And Latoya Blakely also says that that I can't judge those who would rather collect unemployment too harshly because most people who do go to work, especially in those perilous times where going to work means potentially exposing yourself to vulnerable loved ones to COVID, aren't paid enough by these companies to even afford the basic necessities. Worse still, most of these yeah. companies can afford to pay people a livable wage and don't. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Because All right. Let's just well look said. for remote jobs, we, people. There are tons of remote jobs. Guys, out here. Truth, lies, or shenanigans. Yeah, there are. Um, Go with truth. No shenanigans here. Shenanigans. Oh, shenanigans. <laughs> Lizzie. right. Lizzie's calling shenanigans. Everybody else got truth. All right. Shenanigans. <laughs> She's calling some shenanigans <laughs> on that one. I'm a hustler, y'all. I'm a hustler. I'm a work till the day. I <laughs> yeah. And Manfred says, agreed, we no have excuses. to do better. Manfred Chincota says, agreed, we have to do better. We do, both sides. I'm not yeah, giving the government a pass here. I'm not giving the government a pass here. Not at all. Not at all. But we have to do better. We all have right. to do better. All right, Robbie. We got some COVID going on in Florida and Texas. What's happening, buddy? Well, it's more in the schools right now. So Florida Governor uh, Ron DeSantis mandated last week that school districts cannot require children to wear face masks. Um, Just a few days into the academic year, though, hundreds of students in Palm Beach County, Florida, have been told to go into quarantine because of COVID-19 cases at their schools. Nearly 700 kids were sent home due to the possible COVID exposure on Tuesday, uh, the first day uh, after school, or the first day of school followed by 400 on Wednesday, more than 900 on the Thursday, and on Friday, 1,020 in that district. Um, Similarly, in Texas, Republican Governor Greg Abbott uh, said Wednesday that the Texas Disaster Act gives him the power to guide the state through emergencies, and the path forward relies on personal responsibility, not government mandates. So any school, district, public university, or local government official that decides to defy the order will be taken to court. So he said that on Wednesday and Thursday, well, people started to lawyer up. Um, A number of counties, including Bexar, uh, Dallas, Fort Bend, San Antonio, are going after Abbott, and they have put mask mandates in place. So I want to get your impressions as to the public organizations, these public institutions standing up to the governor's orders and just saying, no, you don't want to mandate it for the state, but for the safety of our employees and our constituents, we're imposing mandates. And they're lawyering up for it. So I want to get your impressions on this. Lizzie. Listen, so you guys know that I um, am no longer 
teaching at Howard University. Um, but I still have a lot of friends teaching there, loved ones teaching there, including Daria Winter, who is about, you know, the semester starts in a week. Um, Howard has not mandated vaccinations for everyone, but that went into my reasoning about how I was going to function this semester. There is no way in hell. In my mind, we are not ready to be back in the classroom 100% with donations required on a campus where we have students not only coming from all across the country, but all over the world. And we don't know what they're coming into our country with, onto campus with. And I'm not saying that, you know, to be a xenophobe because I'm clearly not. I am an anti give Elizabeth Eleanor Newman a disease, a virus. <laughs> like, I, I don't want any of that. And so it, it went into my decision, you know, with being able to take a job where I can work from home. The majority of classes at Howard this semester, not just Howard, but with all a lot of institutions, universities, schools in the States this semester are in person right away. That bothers me. That bothers me, me. especially in Florida where you have a governor who is just like, you know, fuck it. Fuck I mean, it. he's I'm more than just it. fuck it, though. He's he's more than he actually he banned like can't require the use of masks. Yeah. He banned he banned he the requirement of masks. Yeah, skyrocketing. Even their even though their numbers are skyrocketing. So props to the teachers. Yep. Props to the educators for you know taking a stand because he's not the one that has to be in close close proximity to these students. These I mean, he's just reaching. I, I think he's just reaching out to his constituents, the, the Trumpers, and stuff like that, because he knows these damn these damn bans on restrictions of masks is not going to hold up. It's some nonsense. But it's, but it's yeah. mindset because they are in the camera telling people one thing, but behind the scenes, being the first to get the vaccination, being the first to get treatment. So I, I, I don't understand. You guys are fools if you're following this guy. Props to all of the educators, all of the people who are of sound mind in Fl- Florida who are like, no, no, I'm not they're, putting they're up still, with this. Even those are few and far between. Johnny Storm, what do you think? <laughs> I feel like... I feel like it's a good um, idea that the teachers in the schools are standing up um, but I feel like that's kind of been happening, like even in Atlanta, when there were no mandates and, and no mask requirements, businesses and, and certain pers- private owners were still requiring it. So um, I'm not really surprised. I think that it's a smart I think it's a smart idea, especially with those numbers. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. Quarantining for sure. What do you think? Robbie? I just feel like we are just whew, we're spiraling. We're doing a Benjamin Button. Mm-hmm. If you will, we're going backwards. With the kids that are on backwards. quarantine. Well, I don't understand. Um, even even other GOP center, I mean, country, I mean, countries, other GOP states have, you know, at least said, okay, hey, we're going to figure this out. Let's start getting vaccines. Let's start wearing masks because they're seeing the numbers go up. Florida and DeSantis <laughs> just don't care. Same thing in Texas. Doesn't care. And same thing in Texas. Mm-hmm. Same thing in Texas. I'm sorry, were you saying something? Yeah, Go ahead. You were about to say something? 
Um, I think I was talking about, it wasn't really about Rob's question, but I remember the article said something that the kids that were quarantined weren't allowed to participate in school, even virtually. So That's right. That was one of the cabinets. Of, is, wait, wait. So that was, the proper that systems was in place. So these kids, no, no, it's not a, it, it's not a consequence. It's that they don't have the supports built into the system. So these kids have been told oh. to quarantine for two weeks. They're not allowed to return to in-school education. But virtual is education isn't an option that's available to them. So they're falling behind know. while they're at home. Because of this, Antis. Horrible. Horrible. Right, Robbie, did you have, you have 30 seconds. You want to give it to Lizzie? Oh, <laughs> you want to pass it. All right. No, I just wanted to add on to that because um, with my, my class of the School of New York Times, I have students all over. And so some of them started school early last week. And I was like, oh, are you guys in person? And the two kids from Texas said to me, there is no virtual option. You have to go in per there was no virtual option for them. Which I yeah. I was just like, how is that even possible? But it's Texas. Yeah, that's it's oh, Texas. Uh, Olivia says Lizzie old, love I'm the sure. sign. Lizzie, she loves your sign. Um <laughs> Jose, Jose says, uh, think of the children. Uh Latoya Blakely, uh, she was really, really uh talking up this one. So she said S-M-M-F-H. <laughs> I can't understand the level of stupidity <laughs> that goes... Head. Shaking my motherfucking head. That's what she said. Shaking my motherfucking head. Y'all that don't know. Okay. <laughs> what Lizzie said. <laughs> said, WTF, how, does, how the hell does someone this stupid keep getting reelected? She said, I'm loving the it's defiance, evil. Lizzie. Um, and she said... I've always been pissed off that everyone always talks about the protection or how do we keep the students safe? What about us teachers? What about us educators? Like no one yeah. is advocating for our safety at all. Nobody always ever does. All right. Always really yeah. short on time. I wanted to get to more of those comments. Sorry about this guys. We we're running out of time. So we're going to get straight into our next option. Oh, here we go. Truth, lies, and shenanigans. Oh. Truth and shenanigans. Um, yeah, shenanigans from DeSantis and them. Yeah, I'm just going to say shenanigans. Damn, that DeSantis Bama. That <laughs> All right. Lizzie, you want to talk about Chris Cuomo, who's uh, the brother of Andrew Cuomo, the disgraced governor from uh, the state of New York. What do we want to talk York. about? So, first of all, disgraced governor from, you know, the state of New York. So this is the second, again, I, I can't, you know, emphasize this enough. This is the second governor of New York within the past, what, decade who has had to, who's been forced out or who has stepped down because of a sex scandal. <laughs> the first was Elliot Spitzer. You know, he was sleeping with the prostitutes, got caught Good. on tape talking about whatever. Now we have Andrew Cuomo, son of, you know, former, you know, governor of New York, no, no. Mario Cuomo, right? <laughs> but the story, this story is about his brother, Chris, who is an anchor, a TV personality on CNN, and he's been taken to task because of his actions during the investigation. He apparently violated some of CNN's moral clauses 
moral protocols, not only in, you know, um, the way he was acting in the office about his brother's situation, but in terms of how he was advocating for his brother behind the scenes, even though, you know, he has been, you know, first and foremost out in the front talking about the Me Too movement holding people to task for their indiscretions, for their misdeeds. <laughs> and so the so now he's coming back, I believe he's coming back this week to his show on yeah. CNN. Yeah. And a lot of people think that, you know, he's catching fact because he didn't, he was still on, he took a vacation, a one week vacation last week. And because he didn't talk about um, his brother's circumstance. And I'm like, no, that's not why he's catching flack. He's catching flack because it was a conflict of interest and because he violated the moral code as a journalist. I offered that as soon as these allegations came out, he should have taken a leave of absence. That, that, that was my mm. position. He should have taken a leave of absence because you can't be. I thought television. he resigned. No, we're talking about two different people. No, we're talking about the brother, Chris oh, Cuomo, on, on CNN. Oh, okay. He should have taken a leave, leave of absence because you can't be on your show yelling at people, calling them out for doing the same thing while your brother is up in New York City hugging women, allegedly grabbing their butt, allegedly kissing them on the lips when they don't want it. You can't, you can't be in that position. <laughs> so my question to you all is, what should happen to Chris Cuomo? Like, should he continue to have his career in the spotlight on CNN? I think that he should. I mean, he lost his objectivity. He behaved as a protective brother first, maybe in denial, uh, whatever his motivations were. But you're right, Liz. It's at the end of the day, it's a breach of ethics. It's a breach of conduct. And CNN should hold him accountable to that. But. Should it ruin his career? No, I don't think so. Should he be canceled? No. Um, <laughs> for stories that hit so close to home, you know, have another reporter take the reins so that the show can remain objective. Uh, because just being related to a person of influence does create a conflict because you would have a loyalty to that individual, providing they had a healthy relationship, which I guess they kind of did because he's trying to look out for his bro. All right, Jim. Yeah. Minute 30. Um, yeah, along the lines of what Rob's saying, I don't think that he should ruin his career, but maybe he can find somewhere else. Like, maybe he doesn't have to be a part of CNN. Maybe he <laughs> can find a, like, he can have a podcast or something, like a different, some, <laughs> something else. Hey, we'll take you. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, we'll take you, Chris. <laughs> or, or, or go to Fox News, which isn't actually journalism, but entertainment. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as what far as I'm part? concerned, I, I'm with Rob B on this one. I, I don't I don't think he needs to be canceled for it. I mean, he's he just happened to have a brother no. who was uh you know who but birds was of disgraced. A I mean, sure he, so... he probably gets a few extra things because it was his brother. I get it. But I mean, but at this point not you know, whatever reprimand you feel he should have, give it to him, but I don't think it should ruin his career at all. Again, no. as the only journalist on the panel, he violated CNN's policy when they told him to shut it down. I like Chris And Cuomo. you can't, and it doesn't matter if you like <laughs> I him. I don't dislike him. I don't dislike him. I keep But he violated totally, 
journalism. He, he violated he, he violated policy, and he's not credible anymore at this point. I dis- I disagree like you can't with be that. on your. You can't be on our show yelling, screaming, you know, giving the business to other people in the same situation when you gave your brother a pass and you were trying to get your brother. So, yeah, if if it were my network, maybe I put you on the entertainment beat, but you certainly wouldn't have a show that was, you know, interviewing politicians or real news continues what he's doing. I think he was was doing some really good stuff. You can sit up there with Tucker Carlson. You can sit up there with Tucker Carlson. I think he was doing some really good stuff. Yeah, entertainment. Go to entertainment. He's not Tucker Carlson. Let's get to these comments. Go to entertainment tonight. I really, Benny <laughs> Love Shell says, I really feel that some of these calls for Chris to resign or lose his career are ridiculous and a bit of an overreach. I'm, I'm with Benny on this one. Um, Jack yeah, Navarro says, again, you guys aren't journalists, but I, I'll, I'll accept your opinion. I can still have a similar opinion. opinion. I can be a journalist. But you have haven't enough. taken the oath as a journalist. That's my point. I still but I'll, broke I'll, a I'll rule. Your opinion. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. And, and let's be real. <laughs> let's be real. We would be singing a different tune if he were a Republican. I don't know. Defending. It, it would de- it would depend on how serious be, the situation we was. We would be we would be because if it was if it were like a continuous issue, like I mean, this is this is a one off basically. It's um, not a one off. A one off is in several women. Okay. It's, well, no, I'm not, not talking about say, no, 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 no. I'm not talking no, about Andrew no, Paul. I'm talking about Chris. Chris. Oh, <laughs> but it's a big one off. It's a big one off. <laughs> I'm talking about Andrew. I, I I do not respect anything that Andrew did. I do not condone any of that. Uh, <laughs> Jacqueline Robinson, CNN is notorious for advocating and promoting trash people. Rick Santorum. Look yeah, how long trash. it took them to get rid of Santorum. Hello. All right, Olivia Hello. says her, her husband <laughs> and her Robel wonder um, how his brother covers the story. Then she Googled it and found his statement. And she laughs. All right. Latoya, also, Latoya Blakely also says, good point, Rob. All right. That's it for our hot topics. Shenanigans. That, was, that was actually a fun one. I wish I had more time for that one because I had some more comments. <laughs> but let's so get into our game show. One? Let's knock it out. We're going to keep it short. What was that truth, lies, or shenanigans? Oh, yeah, come on. Remind me. Yeah, you got to remind me. What was that? I'm definitely I shenanigans. Truth, he needs to go. Shenanigans. No. I think a lot of people are also caught up in the fact that he's a good looking guy. Truth. I don't he's know anything yeah, about him being he's a good looking guy. He's or, a go. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know about that, but he's cool. It doesn't play anything at all. It doesn't play into my thoughts. Get off your high at, horse. You know men never <laughs> you know he don't look like Pookie on the corner. He's a good-looking guy. It, do- it doesn't play into it at all. Okay. So, all right. So we are playing quick and dirty. Real simple. The app will give us a topic, and then it'll reveal a letter. All you've got to do is say what the, the, the word it starts with. So, for example, pet name for a partner, starting with the letter, for example, let's see... A. Asshole. Ass ass. <laughs> right. There, you get Those the idea. Those are horrible pet names. <laughs> Those are horrible pet names. Insult. But, 
But you guys get the idea. <laughs> so we'll go ahead. We're That's going to go with the next one. Let's get That's through these. I don't have a partner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. Bad place to get dumped. Most creative one gets a point, by the way. Most creative gets a point, and most person with most points gets a final first? thought. Let's see. No, we're going around. Everybody answers. Oh. All right. Bad place to get dumped. Starting with K. Kardashians, because they'll take your man. Did <laughs> 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 you say Kardashians? The Kardashians, because they'll take your man. I'm going with Kardashians. That gets a point. That one gets a point. That's a good one. That's a good answer. That was. Kardashians. Next. Let's see. A girl should be classy and what? And blank. A girl should be classy and blank, starting with the letter J. Juicy. No, that's horrible. Juicy. Classy and I guess Juicy gets it then. Juicy. Yeah, what's yeah. a J word? What's a J word? Yanni gets a point. Classy and juicy. I want woman should be a girl should be juicy. <laughs> All right. Okay, now you hear how he said that. You hear how he said that? Now? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> a way to a man's heart. Starting with the letter. G. Ganja. <laughs> Ganja. Anybody else? Um. Starting with the letter. Gumbo. Oh, I like G string. <laughs> but you know what? That that's a whole other conversation. Oh, G string. Do, 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 do the guys want the G string or the ganja? Oh, they want which one? Or they want the other. <laughs> She's both. All right, I'm going. First I'm going with G string. I like G string better. So, all right, one point all the way around. All right, this is for the win. This is for the win. Reason you need a man. <laughs> ready? Can we bypass this, please? Yeah, we like... can bypass. It. All right, <laughs> all right, ladies, don't give a fuck about blank. <laughs> Starting with the letter <laughs> O. Orgasms. They don't give a fuck about <laughs> orgasms. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> that is the okay. biggest lie. OJ. OJ. OJ's, OJ's OJ. Like orange juice? <laughs> no, like Orenthal Simpson. OJ Simpson. <laughs> OJ. Johnny, got one? Um, right now, opinion? orgasms got it. Huh? <laughs> that orgasm thing is a lie. <laughs> that orgasm yeah, that's a lie. lie. <laughs> well, it is a myth, right? Wait, you said opinion? The orgasm is a myth, right? <laughs> yeah. You say opinion? I'm opinions. going with opinions. Yeah. I'm going with opinions. That means Gianni wins the game. Nice. <laughs> really? Finally. <laughs> Rob, 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 Jose said try again. Jose said try again. <laughs> I'll gladly try again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for the show. Let's get in some shout outs. All right, Gianni Storm, shout outs. Um, shout out to Olivia E. I love you. And shout out to Lauren. You were, I really feel horrible about your story. And it made me really 
um, think about like, I believe I had COVID for a brief time, but it made me just really put in perspective and be humble um, about everything. So thank you, Lauren, for joining us and telling us your story. It looks like Latoya Blakely agreed with opinions wins. <laughs> Robbie Rock, shout out. Uh, this is our last show for a couple of weeks, so I'm going to leave everyone with a thought. Don't let others bring you down and laugh as often as you can. Some people are like slinkies. They don't really serve a purpose, but they still bring a smile to your face when you push them down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Cute. Um, kind of like a solemn shout out to the Burke family. Um, ironically, with the COVID Chronicles today, I had a friend who passed away um, this week of COVID. So shout out to the Burke family. You oh, know, no. you're in my thoughts. Um, hugs and kisses to you all. And, you know, we'll get through this. We'll get through this. I already hear that. All right. My shout out is to That's you, good. Gianni. We've got a... We've got big things planned for our upcoming new season. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. I had a packed week and Gianni really helped me get some, keep things moving. So I really appreciate your efforts. We've got a lot more to do, but I, I just wanted to thank you and give you a good shout out. So I appreciate you. Thanks, Mia. All right. And our final shout out goes to the winner of our pet shenanigans. <laughs> Jose Vandalite posted her beautiful gray cat Henry sitting on the counter comfortably Henry. inside a plastic container. I mean, he is leaning and chilling. Leaning the caption, and chilling. Chilling in my favorite spot. I also liked uh, Liana Jones's puppy Shyla. So to see all of our beautiful pets or post your favorite pets video photo or video, make sure you join the TLS Pet Shenanigans Facebook group. The photo with the most likes and comments gets a TLS Shout out every we single We got a week. turtle on the run, y'all. We got a turtle on the <laughs> that, run. That was funny as right well. <laughs> that was hilarious. All right, so that is officially all the time we have for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you guys for joining us. We hope that you maybe learned something, gained a new perspective, even got some things off your chest. We will be taking a short break as season three returns on Sunday, September 12th, 4 p.m. Eastern time. But keep tuning in each week. We'll be sharing our favorite moments from past seasons, like Sunday. It'll be me. The following week, Gianni Storm and Olivia E. will be live with you on Sunday, going totally unscripted, taking questions and commenting on some of the more interesting TLS topics. And then it'll be Rob B. and Jose, the Rob B. and Jose show for the Labor Day weekend on the 5th. Yay. Love is lame. Love is lame. Love is lame. <laughs> Don't forget, every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern time during the break, Gianni Storm and Olivia E. will be going unscripted. So you don't miss a second of it. Make sure you subscribe, follow, and share at TLS Live Show, TLSShow.com. And Gianni Storm, you get to close us out with our final thought. Take us home, the Hazel Valentine. Take oh, us yeah. home. <laughs> yes, I never win. I forgot. Yes, that part too. Um, but since this is our last episode for the new season, I want to thank every one of the hosts um, for letting me be on the team. It feels like a family. And I really, truly learn a lot, like seriously. It makes me a better person. Sometimes I reflect and, and I think like, what would Lizzie do? Or how would Rob see this? Or how would Neo see this? So I want to thank you guys for that. And Olivia and Jose, I love you guys. And I feel like, um, thank you. Thank you. I just want to thank you guys. That's what I want to take time for. Sorry. All right. <laughs> no, we love it. We love you, Gianna. You've been a great addition. So we do appreciate you. Girl. 
All right, thank you so much to Lauren Novak for joining us. Please continue to get better. Uh, Johnny, Rob, Lizzie, and all the people behind What's the up, scenes. What's Jose, up, Olivia, What's up? You remember that moment? You remember that moment? Mm. Most importantly, <laughs> thank you for joining us, and we will see you in Lucky. September. <laughs> all right, guys.